so we are continuing this month's series as we start the year fresh in which we are talking about the fruit of the spirit and, and we're not I'm not re- I've not read the fruit of the spirit uh, scripture yet which I'll do the last week the final week but last week we talked about patience kindness and gentleness and just about how important it is to learn patience how important it is to be kind how important it is to have a gentle spirit and we talked about that uh, through Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and him on his own was not necessarily a bad guy, and he probably didn't go around and like throw stuff at Jesus like the other Pharisees did, but he still considered himself a Pharisee, and so he was still tight with them, and so Jesus could have shut him down. Instead, he showed him patience, and he talked to him, and he answered his questions, even if they seemed stupid. He like answered his questions because he cared about him. He showed kindness, and he was gentle, and that talks about what we're supposed to do, how we are supposed to be. And so this week, the next three we're going to do are joy, generosity, and faithfulness, and how these tie together, uh, I want to go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And the first is a version of the scripture that I read a lot. And this is, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So again, this is one of the Pharisees or scribes or religious law people who constantly were going around not to learn from Jesus, but to try to trap him, to try to trick him, to try to get him to say something that would get him canceled on Twitter, to try to get him to say something that would make people turn against him, to try to get him to say something to prove that they, their case was. They didn't care about his answer. They were just asking questions to get his answer and then ask something else. Like they're just asking in order to respond. They didn't care what he said. And yet Jesus always responded. Jesus, again, showed patience and kindness to them. And so Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the law of Moses is what the Jews cared about. It was the Bible, the Torah. And so this guy, as an expert of religious law, immediately would know that. So again, he could have said a lot of different things. He could have said, like, that's a stupid question. Why are you asking this? Like, why are you trying to trap me? You should be on my side. Like, he could have really laid into him. But instead, he turns it to something this guy would understand. He's like, what does the law of Moses say? Uh, The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, As I say, love God, love others. And right, right, Jesus told him, do that and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So this is where we are as people, and this is where we are as Christians, and this is where we are just individually. We always want to justify whatever the least we have to do is. So like, if you're going into something, let's say you're... uh, trying to make the team, or you're trying to make a higher chair and band, or you're trying to uh, get the most puppies euthanized in your trunk, like whatever it is that you're into and you're trying to do, like you um, have like this list and you're like, okay, this is what I have to do to make the team. It's very rarely, not never, but it's very rarely, this is what I have to do to be the absolute best in my sport. Now that's what separates people and sometimes we do that, but It's like, what do I have to do to just make it? Or in terms of faith, in terms of love, in terms of life, it's how can I not hate somebody? Like, what do I have to do to just get by? What do I have to do to get the right grade? What do I have to do to treat this person okay? What do I have to do? Who is my neighbor? Like, who do I actually have to love? Who do I actually have to care about? And that's what this guy is doing. And in this context, it's easy to be like, well, that's so stupid. He should just know everybody is our neighbor. And yet we act like this all the time. Like, it's like, especially at election time, it's like, uh... So is this person really my neighbor? They vote way opposite than me. Or this person went to Michigan, like seriously? Or this person actually thinks Purdue is a real school. Uh, like seriously, like do, are they actually my neighbor? They can't even spell neighbor. Like whatever it is that we're trying to do, it's like this person does not my neighbor, but this person is. And we like to pick and choose. And 
in the world today, it's even easier to do that because uh, with TikTok, Instagram, Snap, whatever it is you have, you can follow only the people that you like and agree with. Like you can completely ignore everybody else's view and you can block them, you can cut them out. And adults can do this too with news, with whatever else. Like you can only do everything that fits your view and then that becomes your world. Those become your neighbors and everybody else is like, well, they're wrong, they're awful, I don't want to talk to them. And that's what this guy is doing. And again, Jesus could have been like, you're supposed to be an expert. You know for a fact that you're justifying. You know what you're supposed to do. Instead, he continues to show patience and kindness and gentleness. Now we're going to get into the other three that we're talking about by his parable. He tells a parable you have no doubt heard. Um, Jesus replied with a story. This is how he answered. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So you probably know this is the Good Samaritan, so you know where this is going. But I want to stop here first because he's talking about neighbors. And so this Jewish guy is walking to town. He gets mugged and attacked and hurt really bad. Probably unconscious, very hurt, maybe broken, whatever it is. He's very hurt. He's hurt enough that he can't just get up and go on. He can't call out for help. And so the first people that go by uh, is a, uh, the first person that goes by is a priest. So a pastor is somebody who's supposed to be, again, uh, bringing people to God. And so you would think that if a priest walks by and he sees somebody hurt, at the very least, he's going to be like, dude, wait here, I'm going to get you help. Instead, he goes to the other side of the road. Like, he literally goes as far as he can to get away from this person. Now, my guess is, uh, without knowing these people, that the Jewish guy that was hurt, had he gone to church, um, the priest would have been like, dude, come on, come on in, tithe and come on in. Like, he would have cared about him then. But while he's hurt, he's like, I got to get, get there. Like, I got to get away. I've got to... I've gotta, uh, go take care of this. I've got to go do this. I've got to go visit this person. I've got to really talk to somebody about God. And he just ignores it and walks on by. Um, the next one is a temple assistant, somebody in the temple, somebody who, again, is close to God and doing things to show people how to worship, how to be like Jesus, or how to be like God, sorry, how to follow him, how to follow the law of Moses, how to do all of these things they're supposed to do. And he actually walks over and looks at him and so it's kind of closer. He's like, oh, dude, I wonder if he's really okay. Maybe he's like, I wonder if his wallet's still there, and I can kind of see if he has some money. But either way, he looks at him, and then he walks away. Uh, and so both of them, they're people that are supposed to be going up there and preaching and talking, be like, hey, help people. Like, help widows and orphans and people that are hurt. And they might be going to do that right now, but they just passed by their chance to do it. Uh, there's an old joke that I use sometimes when I talk about stuff like this. Uh, there's a guy, let's just call him... Uh, Rob is on the roof and there was a big flood in town and it's so bad that like the the buildings are like covered and it's just like the roof is all you can do to be dry and so Rob's up there and he's praying to God for delivery and he's like God please help me save me I need help I need to get away from here uh, I need to be rescued and like uh, a helicopter flies by and it drops the ladder down it's like dude Rob come on we got you we got you and he's like Cooper why are you flying a, a helicopter and and what, what's Micah doing with that ladder and Caden, why are you just hanging off the side? And he's like, uh, no, no, I got it. I'm praying to God. God's going to help me. God's going to help me. And so the helicopter goes on because they got to go. And then a boat comes by like way later. And Rob's really weak. And he hasn't eaten for a while. And, you know, the sun's beating down on him. And the boat's like, dude, I have room. Come on. And he's like, no, no, I'm waiting for God to protect me. I'm waiting for God to save me. And he just ignores the boat. And it goes on. And then, you know, he dies. He goes to heaven. And uh, 
he's like, where were you, God? And God's like, I sent a helicopter and a boat. And my point there is, we talk about, I want to do this. Like, I want to be a good person. I want to help people. I want to do the right thing. I want to change. And then we get put into situations where we have this opportunity to do it. And it's like, I don't mean this. I mean something over here. And so that's what these guys are doing. The priest every day probably talked about doing the right thing and doing good and following the law of Moses. And he has this chance to do it. And he's like, ah, no, I mean something else. I mean something easier. I mean something I want to do. Temple assistant, same thing. He heard these sermons all the time. And he has this chance to really make a difference. And instead, he's like, I got to get to temple. Like, I got to go talk to people about helping people. I can't stop and help someone. And so Jesus is establishing what it means to be a neighbor. And then we go to the heart of the story. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And so I've talked about Samaritans before. I will say it again. They were an offshoot of the Jewish faith. Uh, They had stayed there during the exile, and so they kind of had uh, procreated with other people there, and so the Jews didn't like them. They hated them. In fact, they taught... Uh, Jewish doctors and everything, like, if you see a Samaritan woman giving birth, do not help her because we don't want other Samaritans in the world. Like, they super hated them. They did not like them. And so, had <coughs> had this been reversed, and the Samaritan is there, the Jewish guy that he's helping would absolutely have ignored him and gone on, and maybe even kicked him a couple times. And so, the Samaritan has compassion for him. Uh, even though this person probably hated him, he has compassion. So, he goes over to him, The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. He couldn't even say Samaritan. Uh, And then Jesus said, now go and do the same. Um, And so the point with the Samaritan here is he was living a joyful life. He probably wasn't happy because, again, the Jews hated him. He probably had a difficult life. But he had joy because he was content. He knew who he was. He knew who he wanted to be. He knew who he served. Um, You can separate joy. I like to separate joy to Jesus, others, you. And that's our priority list. We start with Jesus, then we go to others, and then we go to ourselves. But he also showed generosity because not only did he stop and give of his time, which is something that takes a lot. And again, he was putting himself in danger in a Jewish area probably. And he gave of his time. He gave of his own donkey. He even gave money for this guy to get better. He gave him bandages. He did all of these stuff. Generosity. And he showed faithfulness, not just to this guy, but to who he was. And that's what's important about faithfulness. Absolutely, faith is about God, and it's about serving Him and loving Him, but it's also faith to who you are. And sometimes we get caught up in the wrong situation, or we go to the wrong place, or at church, it's really easy to be joyful and generous and be like Jesus and to follow the fruit of the Spirit and all of this stuff. And then at school, or at a party, or at home, or whatever, uh, it's very hard to do it, and so we lose who we are. We have to keep showing faith to who we are. That's part of faithfulness. And Jesus goes on to say it's not about the lowest common thing that you can do. It's not about the justification. It's not about the worst thing. It's not about this. It's about being who you can be all of the time. Finding the limit of what you can do is not being faithful to God. It's not being faithful to you. Being generous does not mean walking around giving everybody money because most of us can't afford that. It means just giving generosity of your time, of your heart, of your love, of yourself, uh, doing what the Samaritan did. He didn't give hundreds of dollars, he just gave what he had. And he's like, I'll pay you next time. Like, he couldn't afford all of it, but he did it for this person. And again, joy is not happiness. Joy is not being happy all the time. It's not smiling all the time. I use this quote a lot, but Russians have a saying uh, that 
anybody who smiles all the time is either crazy or American. Because here we put like this huge impetus on smiling. And it's like, hey, smile, you look nice. And smile, show you're happy. Or smile, you know, you don't want to be sad. And, and that's stupid because happiness is nothing. Like people can be happiness. People are like, oh, well, I need to do what makes me happy. That's the stupidest thing you can tell somebody to do in the world. Because what if what makes somebody happy is being a serial killer? What if some makes somebody happy? You're like, oh, you got to do what's ha- what makes you happy, bud. And then they're like, well, what makes me really happy is stealing your shoes. Like, it's like, it's so stupid. Happiness, whatever, it is what it is. You can be happy sometimes, but it's going to change with things. It's going to change with age. It's going to change with time. Joy, though, is something you can always have because it comes from within. It comes from above. It comes from Jesus. It comes from being content. And sure, sometimes there's happiness with it, but it's about having this feeling of knowing you belong, knowing you're not alone, knowing who you are and who you're trying to be, and then being generous with that and being faithful to who you are, being faithful to who you want to be, being faithful to the kindness, to the patience, to the gentleness. Next week, we'll talk about love, self-control, and peace, but all of these tie together, and it's not accidental that Paul talked about them all. And Paul lived a life not really following any of them for a long time until Jesus really hit him in the face and said, this is what you got to do. And Paul changed and he became a better person. Hopefully the expert in religious law in this story became a better person. And he's like, wow, Jesus really showed me who a neighbor is. But again, there's a lot of reasons he might have said, Uh, the one who showed him mercy, but it's possible he just couldn't say Samaritan because he hated him that much. Maybe it didn't change. Maybe he didn't change. Maybe he didn't go on. Maybe he continued to be who he was. But the hope, again, is that he heard this story and was like, wow, the priest didn't help him. The temple assist didn't help him. Uh, Only the Samaritan did. I got to go help people. And hopefully that's what he did. But all we can do is try. All we can do is follow these. All we can do is learn the patience, learn the kindness, be gentle, and then carry that joy with us even when we're not happy. Believe me, I'm rarely happy, especially right now with things going on, with my car and with all kinds of stuff. I am not happy. But I have that joy inside because I'm doing what I'm know I should do. Like, I'm being faithful to that. I'm doing my best. I am not perfect. I am not above anyone. But I, I'm, I try to be generous. I try to help. I just took a week to take care of Beatrice and Colette, and I was generous with my time uh, and with my money when it came to Beatrice, but I was still generous. And, and again, I'm not special. This is nothing that makes me special. Everybody can do this, and there are people that do it far more and far better than me. But it's about being faithful to who you are. It's about looking at yourself and being like, who am I? Who do I want to be? How can I become that person? And too often, like the person in this story at the beginning, too often we're like, well, this is who I want to be, but I don't really want to do anybody anything to get to that. And, and it's kind of like there have been people that are the number one draft pick in football or basketball. And it's like they have a lot of talent. But then when you get to the pros, you have to work extra hard. It's kind of like going to college. Like you can make it through high school without studying and just being smart and just figuring stuff out. But in college, you have to study no matter what. And you learn that over time. And in college sports, it's kind of the same. Like you can excel just by having the talent. Like if you have a lot of talent, you don't really have to work that hard. You have to work some, but you can still excel. You can still do well because it's just a lot of people that are kind of like you. Some are going to be way better, but then you get to the pros and like, 
in NBA, for example, it's like the 300 greatest players in the world for the most part, and so you have to really do a lot to shine. So Jordan was great, but he also worked every day. Bird was great, but he also worked every day. Like the greatest athletes, the ones that stand above, they also work every day, and they're there in the gym, and they do this stuff. And it's the same with our lives. It's the same with being a Christian. It's the same with being a good person. You can say, well, I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to have this. But you have to actually work to get there. You have to start. You have to learn to have the joy. You have to be faithful to who you want to be, who you are. But it all starts with trying. It all starts with saying, this is who my neighbor is and I'm going to do better. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try each day to be better than I was yesterday. That's all you can do is try each day. And everyone can do that. And that's the point of youth. It's the point of church. It's the point of all of this to try to help each other to get to this and to follow the fruit, to follow Jesus, to follow the faithfulness to who we are and to be like the Samaritan in this story. And that's all I got.